Welcome back, Church of the Geek listeners. This is another episode. This is our Endgame episode. Um, we, uh, Sam and I talked a few weeks back about Endgame um, in anticipation of it, and now uh, we have seen it, and we have brought some friends along with us. But first, Sam, hi. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. I've seen it multiple times. You You have seen it more than me, so... Excellent. Um, uh, we have uh, some guests with us, um, some who are familiar to Church of the Geek listeners. Uh, we have our um, Marvel fanboy, uh, Will Rose. Uh, Will, want to say hi? Hello, fellow geeks out there. Good to be with you again. Excited to have this conversation. And say where, where you are. Oh, uh, yes, Will. I am a parish pastor at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and uh, currently on sabbatical, so I'm relaxing this evening, not worrying about answering emails or going to meetings, but just talking in-game, so I'm excited. Nice. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, Beth uh, is with us. Uh, Folks will know her from our D&D story arc, Holy Crit. Beth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Uh, Beth Wartick. I'm the pastor at Trinity Lutheran in Tipton, Iowa, central time zone. Uh, and I'm excited about Endgame because Iron Man came out the year I graduated from high school. So I feel like I've spent my entire adult life leading up to this movie. So <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. That's oh, awesome. my gosh. You, I just made everyone else feel really old. You so. did. Yeah, <laughs> Suddenly. <thanks for> that. <laughs> I think I think my sciatica is acting up right now. <laughs> Just with that one phrase, graduated from my oh my gosh. Uh, <sighs> it's been ten years. Hey, well, welcome to this side of Church of the Geek, Beth. Um, this is your first time on this part of the podcast, um, even if you've done the D and D stuff with us before. So, thanks for having me. Uh, and a brand new voice uh, with us this evening. Uh, Naomi, please say hi. Hey, I'm Naomi C's character, and I'm a parish pastor in Matthews, North Carolina, which is outside of Charlotte. Nobody knows where Matthews is. And um, I worked really hard this week, so I rewarded myself by going to see Endgame again at one o'clock this afternoon before I had to pick up my kid. And I started crying from the very opening. (laughs) That good. <laughs> Naomi, that was your second time seeing it. It was just my second time. Yes, Will. Well, I I cried more the second time than the first because yeah. I knew what was coming up, and yeah, it is. I don't know what it was the second time seeing it got me in the feels even more. So oh, that's, yeah, we, we share that. Yeah. We share that uh, commonality there. Well, and actually, um, fun fact: I um, messaged Will prior to the opening because I knew I wasn't going to get to see it on opening weekend. And I said, dude, you got to tell me, not to spoiler it, not to spoil it, but like, you got to tell me, is it going to work out? Because I can't go and have another cliffhanger and deal with all the emotions. And um, <laughs> Will, Will walked me through it. He walked me through it. And I was able to make it the first time without too much anxiety. There good, you go. pastoral, good pastoral care there. Yeah. That's, there <laughs> you go. They didn't teach uh, geek pastoral care in seminary, but we learned as we've uh, grown in our ministry how yeah. to do pastoral care in the geek verse as well. So, yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. It it was something to watch grown adults leaving that movie partway through because they were crying so hard. Yeah. I was there were, I had I had to take my my youngest son to the 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 bathroom one time partway through it and there were I was coming back in and there were people there was you know a man left his face was just beat red and from just the the emotionality of it. Right. They needed like a little tagline. Chaplains are in the lobby if you need help from this movie. <laughs> chaplains, well, geek chaplains. Geek chaplains are in there to, to, to help you in this process to walk you through it. You know, I think I told him, like, I think I did mess. I didn't spoil it, but I was like, you know, they, they stuck the landing. It was a good closure yeah. to like a decade long um, story arc of this universe of, and, and they did. And we can talk more about that in the, the movie, yeah. Brian, I'll let you guide us what you want to do. But, but yeah, to see that much emotion, you know, it is to be pastors and ministers where we all are in our context and still enjoy this for entertainment, but also the, the depth that goes into uh, story and characters and uh, redemption and, all those elements that are part of life and a part of faith. I think, I think what we're doing here um, is, is a part of that process. It's a part of helping Pete, helping our members and uh, ministry contacts understand that these just aren't like comic book uh, entertainment stuff. There's some, some depth of story there that moves people to tears and laughter and hope. Um, So what we're doing is good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hope is dangerous, man. Yeah, it is. Um, so what I wanted to what I wanted to do tonight, uh, I wanted you guys to start with. I'm curious um, where you are all at in sort of relation to the MCU. Like, will I expect you to be really invested? And uh, but I'm curious also, Beth and Naomi, where are you guys sort of? Like, have you seen most of the movies? Give me a sense for each of you where you are. Um, like, when you saw this, was this something you went to as as just a, a sort of like a cultural event, which it surely was, um, and that was fine? Or are you, were you all invested in the MCU? Well, Beth, you should, I mean, you started it, Beth. Go ahead. Like, you, you yeah. already said this has been a part of your adult life. Yeah. So, um, yeah. In my dating of everyone else, um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, yeah, I, um, yeah, I was just, it was the year I graduated high school that Iron Man came out and I, I love superhero movies. Like I watched X-Men a lot in high school. Um, and just the hearing, like having these characters added one after the other, and I haven't seen Captain Marvel because I haven't made it to the theater for that, but oh my um, god, get off right now! Yeah, I know. I want to see it. I have two little kids, and uh, oh, I understand I, that. Yeah, it's just it's a lot, but um, I'm excited to see it uh, because it's finally after dozens of movies, Marvel has made a movie about a woman. It's great, um, but. Yeah, so, you know, it's been sort of like every year as they've come out, we'd go to see them. They always come out in May. That's my birthday. So we would go and see um, Avengers or whatever the latest Marvel movie was for my birthday. Um, so 
that's kind of where I sit. I haven't done comics or other sorts of um, media, but I've seen all the films. Yeah, and I am not tr- asking this to act in the in the gatekeeper fashion. I'm just – I don't know that we're – I just want to see where we're all coming from, whether it was casual or it was more involved. That sounds now like we're a little more involved. I would actually be curious if there was someone coming at this, you know, that Endgame is like, oh, they've seen a couple Marvel movies. You know, maybe they saw Infinity War and Iron Man and Captain America and – Oh, this looks interesting. I would be really curious to hear about like what their impression was of it. Yeah, I think that was just part of it because it, it would shape some of the conversation that we had. But Naomi, yeah. what about you? Are you involved in this? Um, yes, very okay. heavily. Um, I uh, I did. Uh, I married into a Marvel comic family, not DC, but of course you've got to make exceptions for Batman, occasionally Superman. Um, <laughs> but I married into the Marvel comic family. Uh, uh, and so from 2004, 2003, uh, I just kind of got swept along into this adventure and of course love every minute of it. And we, my husband and I've watched every single movie in the theater, some of them multiple times. And then the month leading up to Endgame, we did the thing, Will, we started at the very beginning and we watched them all the way through all to get us all yeah. caught up. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely fabulous. And uh, now we're actually like, oh, so do we go back and start at the beginning? Like, we don't know what to do with ourselves. Um, but yeah, and I, 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 I discovered that Ulta, which is a makeup store for our geeky fans. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a horrible um, realization. <laughs> they had um, Avengers makeup for sale, like eyeshadow and lip gloss and that kind of stuff. And so, yes, I did purchase that and wear it <laughs> when I went to see the movie. Then, of course, I cried it all off. Um, but the lip gloss was phenomenal. I actually went back and bought a second one just to have a spare. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, the marketing, so, yeah, the marketing for I'm this has it. been in- incredible. <laughs> like, whether it's makeup or whether it's lunchboxes or even, like, the push. And, I, and, and part of it was a part of the geek culture but I think it's also a part of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney, this kind of push to say, hey, if you were going to watch like every 22 movies, this is what you need to do. And this is the order yeah. and this is mm-hmm. what is essential. And and um, Naomi and I have a, a colleague, um, uh, Jennifer, here in our Senate that, that hadn't watched the movies but had heard about them and done all that stuff. And she's going back to the beginning and watching and she's commentating on on Facebook about – you know, what she's getting out of it. And it's been really fun watching through her eyes as she's watching this just from, which is like the first go around and catching up and, and the plea. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few people that may have known a little bit and maybe have seen infinity war and then said, let's do in game. But I think the whole, like, Hey, this is a cultural event. If we're going to kind of like game of Thrones, right? It's like, Hey, Hey, we're giving you time. We're giving you a year. You know, if you're going to catch up to this grand finale, here's your chance. And I think that's happened in, in kind of just regular culture, not just pop culture in the in the geek first, but mm-hmm. um, just regular pop culture. So, so yeah, it's hard to get away from this this big event that has happened. That's just um, this. Well, and I would event. also, in terms of marketing, I would highly suggest the Lego kits. <laughs> I have a seven year old who loves Legos, as do I. <laughs> and um, we have many of the Avenger Legos, um, 
And uh, it's so fun to like have um, Rocket zipping around my room in Lego form. Yeah, Yeah. doing your own movies, (laughs) your own story. That's good. Quick, um, give me, uh, we go around the sort of around the circle here. What was your general assessment of the movie? What, where do you put it in the, in the, in the mists of the uh, corpus of works? I, I just, I think it, it just, they stuck the landing. I mean, I was just all, so much anticipation of what they would do after Infinity War because Infinity War is so different because of how it ended and people are nervous going in like Naomi shared and nervous going to mm-hmm. Endgame. Are they going to do me like they did with Infinity War? Um, or or what What does this mean? They kind of caught us off. All the other movies had these kind of, this formula of, of origin stories and conflict and then resolution but still tying in with the end credits to this whole big universe. And, and there's been 10 years of this buildup um, to this, to this climactic conclusion. And, and I thought they did a great job and not doing what I, they did things I had no idea that they were going to do or didn't expect, um, but then stuck the landing for me. And we can talk more about later in terms of what we really enjoyed and what we had problems with, but like, I thought they, I didn't know what to think coming into this movie other than, hey, we're going to have some key characters come back is what I expected. But everything else, the story just took me on a ride that I didn't know they were going to go that direction, didn't know they were going to take me along the road on this kind of best of album of the Marvel Universe and then have this incredible last song that was totally original that that just blew my socks off. So that's where I was with the movie. Okay, and I suspect... We're almost 15 minutes in. I am going to warn folks. There will be spoilers. If you're listening to this now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's obvious. Yeah. And you have not seen the movie yet. My first question is. Stop it. Why, why would you do that? Number two, <laughs> stop it now. Come back. We'll, it, the podcasts are great. You can come back and listen to them right where you left off. Yeah. And the title to this podcast, put in game. If you listen to this and haven't seen the movie, why? Yeah. It's your own fault. It's your own it's fault. Your own yeah. fault. <laughs> so, because we've been, real, nothing has been given away as of yet, but now all bets are off. Okay. Right. Bets are off. Um, yep. Beth, what about you? Give me just your, your gut, your gut feeling to the, to the movie. Well, so first I have to say that anytime I come out of a three hour long you movie have to use the bathroom. without having oh. once thought, well, okay. no, no, no. Without having once thought, man, that was a long movie yeah. or, oh, the timing is terrible, right? It means that they really have hit a home run. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's hard to make three hours worth of quality, engaging, well-timed movie. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, I, you know, I always struggle with the the full cast movies, Right, because there's always so many different characters and so much going on um, that personally, I sort of prefer like the Captain America or Winter Soldier or you know like the the Ant Man, like the specific character ones, because you can get to know the individuals so much better. Mm. Um, I thought that it was a wise choice that the most of the people who were left were the core of the original Avengers um, because everybody knew them already. And so you didn't have to develop their characters. You could jump right in. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it overall. Excellent. Yeah, that, that is, I think that is a great uh, measure of a movie. If you've been in it for three hours, 
and you don't think about, wow, that was three hours. It's they, they did something right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did also have to go to the bathroom. We all had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Especially as I fasted. People. I fasted, man. I fasted. I, just I, did, I, did, I did that. I, I was like, stop drinking water. Like, I didn't drink water all day in preparation. <laughs> I know. I'm not, this totally movie had us prepared. doing like pregame prep. I think that's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> huh. <laughs> did you not think about it, Beth? Come on. <laughs> I just drank an appropriate amount of water and that that was that <laughs> okay naomi <laughs> give us your your uh, your reaction oh my God. i can i'm speechless and still i just again i just thought it's the second time just the second time there will be many more times coming up i'm sure um just blown away i would agree definitely with will's assessment like sticking the landing um, good, good laughter. Oh, the laughter and the tears <laughs> and the emotions and the characters, the way they played off of each other. I just, I, yeah, I loved it. It was better than cats, <laughs> <laughs> which I've never seen, by the way. So never mind. <laughs> it, um, right. It's supposed to be a superhero movie, right? Like, where is all this emotion coming from? Mm. Right. It it touched something pretty deep. Yeah. All right, Sam, how about you? Yeah, that was actually the thing that hit me the most was that this could have easily been a punch things real hard movie. You know, we we shall punch things harder than we have ever punched them before. And it it wasn't that. And the the fact that I, you know, I think I I, I tried to go in having very few expectations just because I didn't want to, I just kind of wanted to go in blank slate and it was still very surprising in terms of how emotionally engaging it was, how it really kind of turned in some ways it turned the heads, you know, turned the rest of the Marvel movies on, on their heads in terms of there wasn't, uh, you know, there was action, but there wasn't a whole lot of action. There was intensity, but it was all emotional intensity. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, how are they ever going to, you know, make it out of this? It was, you know, the 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 intensity. Just for example, between uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow on Vormir was mm-hmm. just, you know. <laughs> just you know pulled you right into it and you were just like oh my god and there was a thing i just felt the whole movie was like poor hawkeye he's <laughs> had, yeah. had the worst had worst of, of anybody but i think that was the one that was one thing that i came away with was just the way that they made this a really thoughtful movie and not just a loud movie or a action movie or a dramatic movie which was kind of you know worth with a lot of build up and build up and build up which is kind of what infinity war was it was Mm -hmm. all to you know build up and build up and build up and build up and build up until the end and then you're like then you know the snap and everything's you know not the way it's supposed to be and the fact that they made this, you know, as basically a heist film was great because <laughs> yeah. that, 
you know, just not something that they didn't see that know, coming. really pulled mm-hmm. that out of left field and made it work well. And I think you're right. The, the, the sense that that I think the other comic book movies, they have their formula and tropes that follow and they're exciting, but we know that like if black Panther is, is going to make a lot of money, it's going to make, they're going to make a second and third one. So there's not, yeah, I fear for, um, Black Panther's life and the consequences, but but I know he's going to stick around. I think this particular movie had the weight with it that with the end game, this movie had real consequences. Yeah, like, and the, like I, it it was the close of a of a of a big story arc that we just knew that there was going to be consequences that would last for a long time or be the end for some forever. And so I think people coming into this movie that's followed for so long knew that that was the weight that it carried. I think that was, that's important too. I think a lot of people went into this, not only seeing how, what was going to happen, but okay. And what does this mean for everything else afterwards? Mm -hmm. Because all we really knew about was, you know, some of the titles that were upcoming, but you know, so what's going to happen to guardians of the galaxy? What's going to happen to, you know, these other characters and, and films and so on is, you know, what is, what, you know, what happens from here on mm-hmm. and how, true and how do we get there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is why I needed Will to tell me it was going to be okay. <laughs> 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 and speaking of Gar- guardians of the galaxy, I just want Thor to be with them. Oh, he will. there's no <laughs> doubt. I love that chemistry they have with Thor. Like I want him to be in the next movie. Uh, he will be. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I sort of feel like no Marvel movie is really complete without a couple of actors named Chris, like squaring off against each other. And <laughs> yeah. now that Captain America is sort of a no go, you know, it's, it's left to Thor and yeah. to the guardians to provide yeah. a couple of Chris's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, so how about this? What, what are for you, if you were to boil it down to one scene for you, is there Ugh. is there one scene that sticks out that you're just like that was masterful? Okay, so like total total spoiler here, right? Like we've already said, said, it, said um, throw them out. We've said it like forty yeah. times. So I literally just read like a, um, a blog post, and I wish I could cite my source. I'm so sorry, but I a young ish minister talking about kind of the three things people want to hear when they're going to die is, um, is like, I'm here. We're going to be okay. I won't leave you. Um, or maybe one of them was like, you won't be in pain, something like that. But I just thought it was just so fascinating. Literally just read this. And then like two days later, there is Pepper Potts mm, saying mm. Um, to Tony, like, I love you. You're going to be okay. You know, and like, and honestly, I mean, and she was, she was honest with him and like, you know, and you can go to sleep. And it was just like, from a pastoral care standpoint, like that's literally what people who are actively dying need to hear Mm -hmm. for for comfort. And, and her character did that so well. And, and then, and then the heartbreak, of course, when he did actually um, stop breathing was also just so real. I mean, like. Again, tears, lots of tears. Why did I wear the makeup? Yeah. Even though it said, 
<laughs> because it was Avengers makeup. I know it is beautiful. You were cosplaying. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if that was like the scene for me, but like just the fact that I just read that blog and then just how well that scene was executed and felt so real um, and so like just genuine um, and something I think most people in ministry have done in some form or fashion <laughs> many yeah. times. Absolutely. You know, I was really moved. Well, most moved by the very end, but other than the very end, um, by uh, Ant-Man Scott coming out of his um, time in the, the machine in the back of the truck. Mm. Um, and he, you know, sort of starts to realize what's going on um, and panics that his daughter has mm -hmm. been one of the people who was vaporized, turned to dust. Um, and and just, you know, like runs right to the memorial and is searching and searching and searching and searching to find her name. And you can just see the like absolute grief that he is already experiencing because he's afraid that his daughter has died. Um, and he doesn't find her name, but he finds his. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And you realize that he is realizing well, crap, like she felt all of this. She did all of this grief that I just did in like, you know, 20 minutes um for the last however many years i don't know if he realizes at that point how long he's been in there i don't remember if the kid told him on the bike um but you know like just this resurrection right that they're reunited and they get to be together when everyone else in the whole story is just like awful right hawkeye turns around and his whole family's gone um and yet that moment where where Scott and his daughter are together again is just like, I cried because of the beauty of that union and being able to be together. The first and he had all that emotion too, like as he's hugging her, you know, that relief and like, oh my gosh, you were worried about me and what else has happened? I mean, I noticed that this time, not just him being with her, but like all of that like you were saying about like all of that grief and relief and more grief. I mean, it was just all in his face as he's hugging his daughter. It was just beautiful and touching. Yeah. The second time I saw it, like I was, I love that scene. It didn't move me as much as for the second time I saw it. Cause I, um, I took Ella, my 14 year old with me the, to see it the second time because she had some like field day at school and we just kind of blew it off. I took her with me to see the movie. And so we're sitting Rock there beside, down. yeah, took it, it, she's sitting beside me. And, and as that scene happened, I realized that like for him, it felt like just a, like an hour, but for her, it was five, five years. And so I'm looking at my daughter's 14 who I remember like it was yesterday. She was three and now she's, you know, 14. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it does feel like just five minutes went by. You know, and and so I started crying. I look, I was like, "Oh, I love you." She's like, "What are you doing?" You know, <laughs> like stop. <laughs> Quit being weird, Dad. And I'm like, "Oh, it does feel like five minutes that you <laughs> that you grow up so fast. You grow up so fast." Um, but that that was a really response. But then you know, seeing your own name on your own epitaph is kind of like, mm. holy moly! Like we're all we're all mortal, and so um, talk about Ash Wednesday slash mortality Linton reflection in terms of seeing your own name, even though he wasn't turned to ash, um, he's still the world experience that way. And, and one day he will die. His name will be on there. So a very powerful scene. I agree that that was really good. 
I was also struck by the memorial, right? Because they're, they're turned to ash, right? Absolutely impermanent in their death for all of Mm -hmm. these half of humanity. And there's these huge stone monuments, right? That are clearly intended to be really permanent, Mm. Um, you know, and the way that like death does away with so much of what we see as permanent and, and yet um, those memories and, and the legacies um, often feel much more permanent or we try to make them feel more permanent by, by engraving them or recording them or, or making them sturdy. Um, So I, yeah, that whole thing, I just thought it was really, really well done. Will, did you have a seat? I want to cheat just to, yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Uh, The, the, the one, the first time I saw it, like, what made me audibly just gasp and cheer was when Kat picked up the hammer. Cause it was just that moment of like, I just thought for sure he would, that was like, he was going to die. Like they just kept building it. Like, oh, here he's going to die. They can take him out. Thanos <laughs> is going to take him out. That's going to be the rally cry for the rest of the Avengers. I just know he's going to die right now. And then when he grabs the hammer, I'm like, Holy cow, it was just such an awesome thing. But I think as a movie structure, as I think about a pivotal scene, that caught me off guard was when they killed Thanos like 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, how is this? What? What? And I was like, Oh my gosh, that didn't take very long. And then when they did like the five year jump, I was like, Oh my gosh, here, they're going to do this. Now we're doing a time heist. I did. They kept me out. I thought it was just going to be like a whole build up like infinity war to this one big battle, which there was a big battle, but I, I loved how they, they caught me off guard where they were able to kill Thanos twice, which is pretty cool. Like, hey, he didn't get die in the first Infinity War. We're going to kill him twice in this one. But the uh, um, that it scene just caught me so off guard with this movie that it made me kind of settle back in my expect, throw my expectations out the window so that I could settle in and let them tell me the story without me piling on my expectations. So for me inside, I was like, ah, okay, you got me. Now what are you going to go? What are you going to do from here on out? And I was able to settle into what, what their plan was for the story. I, I told my boys, I told my boys that, uh, I thought they were going to get Thanos early mm. and I, 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 so I was ready for that. <laughs> but even when they did it, I was like, well, now what? So, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not used to being right. All right, Sam, All what right. about you? Give, give me a, give me a scene. That... There was, there's a lot of good scenes. I think the, uh, the ending scene, um again i with with hitting that hitting that note of um of, of letting tony go i thought was just spot on and having mm-hmm. uh that th- it's so counter hollywood is one of the things i was thinking about in that you know in a typical hollywood film you know when someone's dying they have their dying words and they're they're you know moment of inspiration and they're trying to and and the people around them are saying don't go don't go don't go you know and you know you know fight it and fight it and it wasn't that at all you know tony was he didn't say anything i remember i was trying to like i watched it the second time i'm like i don't remember the first time i was like did he have any like last words besides i am iron man is like nope that was it and that was it he just 
he, he was done and there wasn't the, now like there was the afterwards at the, at the funeral, um, hmm. right. where, you know, with his, with his hologram and, and even, and that whole thing, it was just so, so very, I think human in terms of how it was done. And, and with his daughter saying, you know, like I, I want a cheeseburger and happy just, mm-hmm. you know, lose it is like everybody, myself included was like, I, I want to give you a cheeseburger too. <laughs> and, you know, just, and that's, again, it just wrapping up. It's, it's a callback to that, that first film going all in the fact that they could call back that far and hit, you know, those emotional notes of, yeah, that was, you know, that was where this all the, all of this started. Um, mm-hmm. Was was really, I think, significant, and and I think that, and to me, like that was probably one of the you know the big hits. And then the very beginning with Hawkeye and his family, I thought, you know, hit me really hard too. But in terms of that, they just jumped right into it, and here's Hawkeye and his family and he's teaching his daughter to shoot a bow and arrow and his reaction, you know, to that, I think one of the things I I realized kind of about Hawkeye was a lot, a lot of people like after like midway through the, you know, some of the Avengers movies is like, why is Hawkeye even an Avenger? Because Mm -hmm. what does he do besides shoot robots with arrows? You know, (laughs) and he (laughs) even said, you know, like in, Age of Ultron is like I'm shooting robots with an arrow. <laughs> None of this makes any sense, and but he really is like a stand-in for I think all of us, you know, the normal person because he's the only person in the Avengers that has a normal life, a normal family, and does normal things with his normal kids. Probably the only you know another close one would be Scott Lang, but I mean he's you know, still, he's, you know, not quite as normal as everyone else, but he's very much an every man kind of guy, but he has this, you know, he has a suit that he could do, you know, super amazing things and Hawkeye, it's, it's him. And, uh, that's kind of our, you know, he's, he's all of us, you know, among these, you know, heroes and godlike people that, and just finding his way among all that and, and reacting you know, in a very human way, yeah. I thought. I, I want to stick with the the grief bit for for a minute because if anyone had said the largest blockbuster ever uh, was going to have a uh, significant dealing with grief, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So was it interesting to see who could cope and who couldn't? Yes. I mean, okay, so Sam, you're a you're a hospice chaplain, fantastic. just for everybody, right? Just to remind everybody. So this is up your right. alley. Right. That's that's like the first thing I saw. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It, it, it was interesting in the theater when like people are laughing at some of the, the comments that, you know, Thor was making. I'm like, no, he's crazy. <laughs> this is how he's not coping well. You know, he's <laughs> just the, and the, the fact, you know, in terms of none of them really coped well. I agree. Um, yep. And, yep. It was interesting to see how uh, 
they were all coping well or, you know, not coping well in their own way. They weren't all doing everything the same. They weren't all just kind of moping around uh, or all grieving the same way. Um, but they were all doing it kind of in their own way. And I thought that was great for showing all these different aspects of how people grieve. You know, some people blow it off. Some people um, are so busy helping other people that they're not helping themselves, which is what Cap was doing. Um, and Black Widow. Yeah. And Black Widow. Yeah, Black Widow was trying to, you know, and her thing was, you know, if I if I keep real busy, then everything's going to be okay. And I hear that all the time. You know, I'm trying to keep busy. I'm trying to keep busy. It's like, it, that's that's just, you know, burning that candle so that you can not have to deal with all those things. So uh, it, it really hit it really well, I thought, in terms of in terms of grief. I thought, you know, it was one of the things. I had sat down after the second time and spent about a week doing a paper just to kind of process all that because I thought it was so good. Yeah. I would love. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I, we, we also did kind of an in-game debriefing in our confirmation class, knowing that most of the youth had seen it. We waited a couple weeks and then said, those who want to talk about it, we'll do our own kind of God loves geeks, um, you know, movie review. And I was able to point out to the youth, look, you know, a lot of you have lost someone you loved or, Perhaps you know somebody that has, and let's think about these characters and how they responded to this grief. And we were able to kind of go with each character um, and and talk about that. And their light, and the, man, you could see their eyes light up and a light bulb go off. Like, yeah, you know, when when I'm sad, you know, sometimes I just want to play video games and eat, right? Or mm-hmm. or I just I want revenge, or I'm angry, or or um, maybe I do stay just super busy and, and want to ignore it. They were able, each character was able to kind of show the, the, the five stages of grief and where, where those fall in the spectrum and how there's not, you know, a wrong answer or a right answer, but this is how people do it. And what, what are really trying to cover up for the pain that we're all, we're all experiencing. It was neat seeing how these youth were processing and having that click within their own hearts and, and experience as well. I think it's- well, and I think too, like a microcosm of the larger grief um, was, you know, when when they get back from collecting the stones and realize Natasha didn't make it, right? And they're standing out on that dock, and like literally, it is it is kind of it's all the way that they are all coping, not coping, um, really boiled down into a very brief scene. You know, you have a couple of them that are like, we can go back, we can get her back. And then you have Hawkeye who's like, no, we really can't like kind of the acceptance sort of, you know, and then you have Hulk who gets mad and, and throws the bench across um, the pond. But it is, it's like, it's, it's really boils down to um, that scene alone just tells a whole lot about how all those individual characters were grieving through the whole process. And then, um, so you get a, really small glimpse of it right there too, which I thought was really interesting. They followed their characters. I thought they also did a good job of following the way their characters had been grieving. So it's not like all of a sudden you got, um, you know, Jeremy Rimmer. I mean, you get Hawkeye like screaming or whatever, because that's not how he'd been grieving. You know, he'd been internalizing everything and being, you know, um, so it, they stuck, I think they were true to the character's grief too in dealing with her, her death as well.
Yeah. And, and I think in that too, right. It's totally Tony Stark to be like, well, I'm going to try and bring her back anyway. When I yield, I wield the infinity stones Mm -hmm. because you know, I'm Iron Man and I can do what I want. Even if you take away my fancy suit, I'm still all of these fancy things. Um, And you know, it doesn't work. Right. But that has never stopped Iron Man before. So well, his initial, his initial grief when he gets back, he's all kind of like atrophied it out, you know, and mm-hmm. he's hooked up to the, to the IV and the way he lashes out at Captain America, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. How many of us, or we experienced our ministries, someone lash out at those, uh, the, the pastoral figure in charge or whatever. Yeah. Cap's oh, kind yeah. of the leader. He's a captain. You know, and, and he took it, you know, he didn't say much. He was just kind of listen because he knew where his friend was and what was going on. Um, but, but even that was such a powerful scene. Cause I know all of us have been on the, on the receiving end of, of people that have lashed out because of <clears throat> a grief or something that's going on. The change has happened within a ministry or church where people are acting out in their grief. In my view, it seems that, um, Tony is the only one who ultimately copes. And so here's my question. Is it his own self-centeredness where he's able to just not worry about all the larger issues because he's happy. He and Pepper have a daughter and for him, all is right in the world. Is that a way for him to sort of move through that grief easier? Right. Cause they come to him and they say, Hey, we have this way. And he's like, I'm no, I'm done. Is that a thing for, is that a, am I, do you think I'm reading it wrong? Do you think um, Tony didn't cope with it well? Because it seemed to me he's the only one who really kind of did. Right. And that's, it, it kind of took me the second time to really kind of process that. And he, he comes off, I think, as coping the best because he's stable. He's got his family. He's kind of living the, I, I you know, uh, a nice life. He's, you know, he's changed his life in terms of, you know, being a, being a family man, as opposed to, you know, a corporate man. But I think where, you know, where he's still stuck in some ways is what is when he, uh, he, he's saying that, you know, he, he will not give up what he, what he has now for any reason at all. And, you know, when, when cap and the team come there, He's like, you guys can come, but we're not talking shop. And he has kind of, I think, given up that sense of I am I am not going to put myself out anymore for anyone else um, because of he's he's not willing to risk he's not willing to risk what he has, which is which is his family. Um, but it's it's interesting. I think he does grow past that to, to the point where you know at the end he is the one that eventually risks everything um, for his family, and his, his family is there for him. But I think it, it it and and the fact that I also that he kind of goes into this you know very nice golden golden co- co- cocoon of he's isolated himself from the world he's isolated himself from shield from nick fury from everyone it's him and and pepper and morgan 
Orkin's the daughter, right? Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm remembering that right. And it's it's just them. And Pepper's talking about composting. And, you know, it's a totally <laughs> different life. Um, and it, I think on the surface, it, it, you know, it's it's one where he is he is not willing to lose anything ever again. But it's the picture. Yeah, it's I... the picture of, of Peter Parker that stirs him, that, that creates right. restlessness in him that maybe he can do something. I think, so while, while he, Pepper and his daughter, that's his family and happy, there's still someone missing from his family mm-hmm. that, uh, of that, of, of Peter Parker. And so, Again, what made me cry the second time after I've seen it <laughs> was when he hugged Peter Parker because I just remembered, I wouldn't remember until seeing the second time that all those other movies where he was avoiding hugs from Peter Parker, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not hugging you. I'm just unlocking just the, door. the like, door. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, but this time, like he went in for the hug first and hugged him. So it's just like, oh man, there's the hug. There's the heart. You know, Tony does have a heart. And um, so while he does have what looks like everything, he's coping well, there's still a restlessness in him because he stirred that picture. He's still keeping a picture of Peter Parker around. He's still looking at it. And that's mm-hmm. what sparks this kind of change or hope within him that maybe they can do something different. Yeah. I think sometimes and- people, whenever they go through a hard loss like that, be it through, you know, a death or loss of a job or any kind of a, a big loss like that, there's sometimes an immediate turn to, I'm not going to hold anything close ever again because I don't want to have that same pain ever again. Hmm. And I think that is kind of like where he turned. And that's where, you know, he, he's just going to be responsible for his family and that's it. But yeah, like you said, Will, it's at that you know, that remembering of, of Peter Parker and feeling in some way responsible, you know, for him and not being able to, to save him, uh, you know, seeing Peter die in his arms, you know, was something that really kind of triggered maybe that, you know, and he was the only person that could, you know, solve the problem that they needed to solve. And I'm going to disagree with you all because I didn't really see him as coping well at all. Um, like to me, it seemed like he was in a kind of denial, not of what had happened, but of who he was yeah. in relationship to what had happened. In, in their defense, Beth, in their defense, Beth, I do believe they were gently telling me I was wrong. Yeah, well, I'm just going to blatantly tell you that. And I, I expect that from you, Beth. Thank you for being the the bearer of truth, um, putting it in, in front of me. No, I, I, I think the more I hear you talk, the more I hear that, that totally makes sense. This is why I'm in campus ministry now, not in the parish, because pastoral care, eh, you know. But no. Um, go ahead, Beth. Sorry. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I just, I mean, right, that like, he failed, I mean, sort of all of them in their own ways, right? Failed to stop Thanos. Um, but particularly, he failed to, like, protect Peter Parker, the kid, you know, that, that he has this attachment to. And um, that if he doesn't have to deal with being um, 
you know, there at the core of the Avengers all along. And um, if not, you know, as long as Captain America in terms of, you know, back to World War II, at least like for a long time, Iron Man has been doing his Iron Man thing and trying to, you know, fight the bad guys and, and all of this. Like he just drops all of that um, for a really like, charming and bucolic life in the woods with Pepper and their daughter. And, and it just seems like the more beautiful the background and the scenery in the various parts of the Avengers movies, like the less excellent things are right. Thanos retires to this absolutely gorgeous, breathtaking vistas of everything is lovely and like gets murdered or executed or whatever verb we're going for here. Um, You know, like after Natasha dies, they're gathered around this like outdoor space and it's so nice and charming and everything's awful. Um, You know, and I just wonder if that is intentional that there's this odds between what's being seen visually and what's happening in the mm. currents of the characters. Yeah, I think that's definitely it it's it's yeah, a sure it's though. a dynamic tension between how things how things appear. I think it's exactly you know, how things appear on the surface and how what things are, are really going on underneath. You know, kind of spelled out artistically, you know, especially with Tony, things on the surface are great. But underneath the surface things are not are not great. Mm-mm. I did, as a side note, really appreciate his daughter being like, oh, I love you 3,000, because that's right? my four-year-old's all-purpose large number is 3,000. <laughs> um, there can't be any like, larger than 3,000. This is 3,000. Enormous. Um, so I thought, hey, they've been like hanging out with real toddlers. Um, <laughs> Although, like, let's face it, she's clearly way too old. I like, know. Like she was pushing five and a half and yeah, like at she least. was at the most been maybe three and a half, maybe. Yeah. So, unless Pepper was lying in infinity wars. Yeah. And like, pregnant, already which, was, yeah, I don't know. yeah, maybe. Okay. So it wasn't Tony. <laughs> Tony wasn't coming. What about the, what about the banner Hulk? He seemed, he seemed pretty chill. That was weird. Well, that's, I was not prepared for that. Like when he first came on the screen, I was like, wait, I don't, Speaking of cognitive dissonance, yeah, exactly. like I did not know what I was looking at at all. <laughs> I didn't know if it was supposed to be funny. It didn't feel funny. I was but amused. Maybe it was I was funny. amused um, when he dabbed. You know, because okay. what a what a super dorky thing to do. Oh like, yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's pretty. Especially like way after the yeah, fact. Yeah. Like you know, we're now like five years, eight years after. Yeah, right. Um, the dab is like well. A thing. So here's anyway. a, just uh, with. We, all right, so that feels – was it really um, – it felt like there was not a real reconciliation between the two sides. It felt like Hulk got nerfed. Sorry, you mean the, the two sides, like the Civil War two sides or – No, uh, in, in uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Yeah. Okay, great. Sorry. Following you now. Sorry, sorry. Nope. Yeah. Like for so much of the stuff we're here talking about – I mean, in a sense, a lot of reconciliation, a lot of bringing back, a lot of reconnecting. This one felt odd. I mean, I was amused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
You know, also that when they end up back in the Battle of New York. Well, right? I think he, he can't smash. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I guess I'll take off yeah. my shirt. Well, there's time back <laughs> to the grief funny. part. Like he, so they, I think they're trying to show that he has evolved as from a monster, right? So a big, a big part of the, the story beat was them looking back at their older selves and going, how much have we grown? So I think we can go back and watch ourselves preach when we first got out of seminary or whatever and be like, oh my gosh, you know, Will, that was horrible. Or, wow, look how much I've grown. Um, but I think it was kind of cool watching how we've watched the Marvel you grow up over 10 years. And so even Hulk going back and looking at his monster self is like, wow, I've evolved as a person, as a hero. And, but, you know, back to Beth's point about his grief, his still his grief came out. The biggest time that he ever smashed anything in this um, movie was when he th- chucked the uh, bench after yeah. he learned of. So he still has that kind of rage within him. And I, you know, uh, the smart Hulk or Professor Hulk is a part of the Marvel U and the comic book universe that they've right. time uh, from time to time played around with, with kind of like the banner brain inside the Hulk's body. And then how does that happen and evolve within the universe and create kind of different story arcs for, for the Hulk in the, in his regular comic book. So I, I kind of knew it was going to happen. I didn't, I thought we'd see it unfold at another, like, I guess it was so abrupt. Like I didn't read, I thought we would eventually see it happen over the course of time. And then by the end of the movie, he's smart Hulk or has a way to do it. But that was just like, wham, right in your face. Oh, we're going there right now. And we're going to keep it that way for the whole movie. Um, I guess that's another story to tell over that course of the the five years later, which the Marvel universe could do if they wanted to. Um, but for me, it, it was abrupt. I, I knew I, I kind of guessed that they were going to go there. I just, it came at me so fast in the face. I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this right here now. Okay. <laughs> the the thing I got from Hulk was that he was a, he, he was a hero as the Hulk, but at, but he was now no longer heroic. He was playing the role of a hero without being heroic. You know, he's, it, what what I what I thought of what what his character reminded me of was like we're, uh, I went to like a a pet expo in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago and they had um, there was a, a wrestler there in one of those booths um, old school pro wrestler who was there signing autographs and he was you know had pictures of him in the ring and you can get your autograph your picture taken you know autograph five dollars picture for twenty dollars. And that's kind of what he reminded me of, you know, like he was just this sort of uh, guy, yeah. you know, playing to the fans without doing anything, you know, living off of what he was as opposed to what he is. Um, and just so and just not taking his his response to the loss and his own failure was to kind of like, oh, well is how okay. I saw it at least. Let's move to um, notions of sacrifice. There's a couple, there's a little bit of that in this movie. Just, just a little, a little, a little bit. bit. Just a tad. We've already touched a little bit on, uh, on both of the, like the, the two main ones, right? Uh, Tony Stark and uh, Black Widow, Iron Man and Black Widow. Mm-hmm. 
what do you guys what do you guys what are your thoughts on this these sacrifices well i was pretty mad when <laughs> uh black widow and hawkeye went together to vormir uh, yeah like uh, i do <laughs> like i just i was why didn't someone warn them can't they find someone that they love a little bit less or at least that i all love right, who less? would you have chosen <laughs> all right ben you brought up who would you have chosen <laughs> um yeah, well, anyway, so they, I don't, I don't, can I like find somebody who loves Ant-Man? I don't I know. I love Ant-Man. Um, oh, no, keep Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, great. You love Ant-Man. Go with him to Vormir. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. we have a good. I, I can't do anything against him. He goes tiny and I'd be like, wait, where? So, there was, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, as soon as they got there, I knew that it was going to be Natasha and that they, you know, they like fight, right? To throw themselves off the edge because they care so much about each other. Um, and just how different that is from um, Gamora and Thanos being there because Gamora, like, laughs at him right you can never get the event infinity stone because you don't love anyone and you know he like grabs her she's like no this isn't love you know like that that she never felt loved whereas hawkeye and black widow have this really like incredible relationship um mm. yeah I agree. of friendship right um you know also challenging right like what kind of love matters with Thanos and Gamora. It's a parent and a child and here it's friends, right? Love isn't just about romantic relationships. I love that um, about that art. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just love Black Widow and I just wanted mm-hmm. for once for things to work out well for her. Cause they just haven't, she's been in like seven of these movies yep. and nothing has ended well for her ever yet. And I wanted it to, and I want there to make a movie about her, and she's dead now. So oh, I guess that's there is the black not happening. Yeah. Nope, they're doing they're doing a Black Widow movie. Are they doing a prequel? Okay. Yeah, yeah but that's just going to be gross. I think. <laughs> yeah. Her her origin story. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a, a, and I think I, I would like to see an, uh, a Black Widow movie like within that five year gap. Like, show me her arc of putting that team together and what that looks like, and really go depth in her soul. That's the movie I want to see. Um, you know, the the Black Widow within that five year gap and how she created her own Avengers team. But I, I agree. I, the the relationship not be they both had their own families. They've made it clear that it's not a romantic sexual relationship, but more brother sister partner. Um, colleague, um, we worked together as a team, kind of friendship love uh, that was so strong. So so that element of sacrifice, yeah, when they both went there, I kind of knew it was going to be her because you wanted to see, or, or just Hawkeye and his family, if they're going to bring his family back, then he, I don't know, she was the only one without a family. So I guess it was just kind of like he kind of saw the right on the wall. But it was it was tough to watch. Was it was, was this tough to watch. so? This is one of those. This is one of those areas um, that would be the place where there's a good bit of uh, division around Endgame. Is the, was Natasha's death more akin to fridging than self sacrifice? Was this the 
was this the writers going, okay, this is the only way that it's going to motivate Clint? I mean, Clint's, Clint's whole family just died. I don't think he really needs a ton more motivation. Right. <laughs> I don't know. He spent the last five years murdering people in the streets because they're terrible. So, Well, I guess the arc that, that I think keep thinking about is you have all these really powerful superheroes. And I guess from the, from the first Avengers movie, it was kind of like, what is Hawkeye going to do? He's got a bow and arrow. What is Black Widow going to do? She has a pistol, you know, and this, they, they were always kind of picked on as the lesser characters that right. doesn't have a lot of power. And, and you could even make the case like with Ant-Man and even, even Nebula for some, for, for at, at some parts but I like how the movie itself talked to the least powerful or what you are picked on. The, those who are picked on who don't have the major superpowers are the ones who make the biggest sacrifice and biggest difference in the movie. And then again, it goes back to, you know, Tolkien and the smallest of the Hobbit doing the make or, or Jesus, the smallest of the seeds, uh, you know, the, the pointing to the, the insignificant and the smaller, um, the small, what what seems to be small and insignificant ends up becoming the most significant and the most powerful. Yeah. And that cared in this movie as I saw it, um, you know, the second time noticing like, oh, here are some people that have always been kind of, kind of smirked at as being, what are they doing on this team to having the most consequence there at the yeah. end? They had the hardest job. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everyone else had to go get the thing and come back. <laughs> and basically not get caught. And that well, they didn't know. Like, I mean, it was Gamora yeah, and Thanos. Know. So even yeah. even the the Red Skull, Black Death, whatever his they renamed him, um, had right. to explain it again because they had no idea. They just thought they were going to go get the Soul Stone at this particular place. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't know, but we knew what was going to happen because they're like, oh great. Well, here's here's Some, my question though. Um, wh- where was Black Widow's funeral? Yes, they got the moment of grief at the uh, at the side of the lake, right? But absent, yeah. Uh, th- this is like forgetting that the first win in the season matters as much as the 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 win at the end of the season that gets the team into the playoffs, right? Um, we we have this automatic mm-hmm. uh, bias to think about things at the end as more important, but you can't get to the end if the things at the beginning didn't happen. Um, I felt she was right. Yeah, I mean, that, it should have been a double funeral, right? For for it should have been Tony and Black Widow, and they could have all been there in some a picture for her. Yeah, I agree. It is yeah. where where is um, the montage of of her life and story arc as well? Yep. It'd be interesting if there's something well, that they I revisit think, later. Well, no, I think I think what um, ends up happening, and I. Um, uh, kind of a feminist critique. Um, a lot of times, and not just in comic book movies, but a lot of times um, in movies you get um, women who serve their purpose. And in this case, Black Widow's purpose was ginormous. I mean, she really was. She was in a lot of the movies. She kicked ass. She's fabulous. But she served her purpose. And um, and now in order to keep the story moving, we need, we need to have her be gone. And we don't actually need to spend a lot of time with her. Um, and it, and so if you want to look at it from a grief standpoint, you can talk about like what is disenfranchised grief where you don't actually get a chance to grieve whatever it is, whether it's a pet or a lost job or, oh my gosh, like a, 
like a miscarriage, like things people don't see as grief. So you can talk about it like that. Mm -hmm. But I think just from a feminist perspective, like this is how women are treated a lot in, in movies. Um, Clearly Marvel comic universe has tried to change that in a lot of ways. Um, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, but this is typical. That's two ways, right? I mean, out of 20 movies, right? Two ways to try and challenge an existing way of viewing how who matters and which characters are important. Yeah, this is where I was going. Yeah. I wanted. I, I was. Right. I was hoping Naomi, you and Beth would would uh, chime in here because it it felt wrong to me, but I, I was hoping to get your perspective. And I don't want a kind of feminist to give us the full force feminist critique because I think it's. I think it's really important. Well, and I think, you know, the other thing is, and there's been a lot of commentary about it too, but like, you know, Captain Marvel, who, let's face it, she is the most kick-ass of all the Avengers. I mean, um, and then like what she appears like for how much screen time in this movie. And granted, she does save the day, um, but you don't have any character development at all for her. I think the best scene for me was clearly one that was so fleeting, but it was when Peter Parker had the um, the the gauntlet with the Infinity Stones, and and um, and he's like, "You're gonna need help or whatever," and 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 they all all the women show up and they're like, "We're gonna help her or whatever." But I feel, and that was beautiful, and I did like get a little weepy. But then in hindsight, when I saw it this time, I was like, "Oh, you're just throwing me a bone." Mm-hmm. Like, you're literally just saying, here's all these strong women. They really have had, they've had no conversation with each other, um, except for Black Widow. Um, And, um, and, well, Black Widow hasn't even talked to another female, let's face it. And, um, and so we're gonna, we're gonna throw our feminist um, viewers and our, and our people who want to see strong women. And I think that includes men, especially parents with young children, both boys and girls, we're going to throw them a bone and we're going to say, here they are all together fighting the beasties. And, and I loved that scene the first time. And the second time I saw it this, this afternoon, it just felt trite to me. Mm, It just felt like you are, you're doing that on purpose because you've left a lot of really awesome. out. I I thought, I mean, at first I was like, cool. I thought it was a little pandering though. When it was all the women all at once. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, eh. but yeah, it was a, it's yeah, a good splash a, page on a comic. That's what it was. Kind of like, yeah. Well, we more cleavage though for the comic. Um, right? So what about? <laughs> we're in light now. Sorry. I really felt like Captain Marvel was underutilized. Um, she got a whole movie to introduce her just yeah. so she could yeah. fly right. from the spaceship. Right. I mean, uh, and rescue Tony, which yeah. God <laughs> knows how that actually happened. Like. How did she find him drifting in space? Okay, but um, there, there it is. Okay, I don't know, but um, yeah. This is one of the things I I thought about actually. Um, I just rewatched um, Infinity War uh, three days ago, two days ago, um, and as I watched the various characters being turned to dust after the snap, um, I thought about. You know, I think Endgame would have been a much more interesting movie with some of these characters who got turned to dust. Like, what? You know, why couldn't they keep Scarlet Witch around? Or like, Shuri could have figured out how to oh make gosh, the machine work in like years. ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
And I recognize that if you're going to do flashbacks to previous Avengers movies, you need characters who are in the scenes from the previous Avengers movies. Okay, great. I'll grant that. Um, but it just felt like, to me at least, some of the most interesting characters were the ones that I didn't get to see because they were dust for 95% of the movie. Um, right. And, you know, that was a choice that the writers made. You know, they could have chosen to let, um, you know, for instance, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, they could have chosen to have the Wasp be the one who's in the quantum realm, you know, while everyone else is turned to dust outside. And she comes back to help figure out, you know, what's going on or just these different things that, um, you know, you talked about the scene, all of the women show up at once. Um, and, I don't know, day or two ago, I saw a picture of, look at all these great strong women, you know, who make appearances in Endgame. And I thought, man, they need like six pictures if they were going to throw all of the men, you know, uh, that are in these movies. And um, I just, those characters are really interesting and I want to see more of them. Yeah, it'll be um, interesting to see what, where they go in the next phase. And, you know, yeah. I'm definitely hearing there was a, a comic book called a force, which was kind of all female Avengers yeah. um, for a while. Mm -hmm. That was, it was pretty decent. I don't think it's ongoing anymore. They, they canceled it, but like people are saying, Hey, uh, on the message boards, let's see the a force movie. Let's see those, that group together on their own um, where they're moving forward with, with the next, with these interesting characters you didn't see in Endgame. I, so we'll see the all new, all different Avengers with those characters that, that we were like, oh, cool. Let's let, we we got the founding fathers and Black Widow there. Now let's move on and do the more diverse Avengers. Um, moving the next phase, so it'll be interesting to see what they do next and and mm -hmm. where what they're hearing from the fans and what people liked and cheered. And uh, I know that scene got a big cheer. Uh, the first time I saw it, just because the movie theater it was open a weekend, everybody was there. Um, but I do think reflecting back on it more and more as people reflect on it, they, they see it as more of a pandering and we're all right, here you go, but you're right. What's, what's next? What are they going to do next with this? Well, I believe we could probably sit here and talk, um, another hour, but we are uh, already over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, oh, one more thing one more thing like when in terms of like characters and strong female leads like nebula i got we got to talk oh, about yeah, nebula yeah. for a brief oh, moment because, oh, yeah. because because i think like again here's this traumatized person who's been abused so much um is brought into some kind of restoration where she's literally kills her old self we can talk about baptismal theology all all day long about about that, the old self dying, the new self rising, um, killing her old self. And the reason she had the strength to do that is because of community and friendship and people bringing her in, whether it's the guardians teaching her kind of what family is all about, um, having fun with Tony on the ship and like, oh, that was fun. I'm smiling. Let's do it again. Um, and then having genuine care for Gamora. At the end of the movie, I, th I think her story arc was really, and even in the comic, the Infinity Gauntlet, she is the one at the end of that, like they, of that of that graphic novel where she she wields the the Infinity Gauntlet for a while and has a big part of that story. And so for her to have a big part at the end of this one again, um, 
I was impressed by that, by how, again, someone you least expect, someone that's not in the, in the big splash page of these big, all-powerful heroes, godlike heroes, but yet she made a big difference in helping bring things back uh, to redemption or restoration. And now she's a part of the, as Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's going to be in the next movie and we'll have mm-hmm. a, a viral role in all of that, which I think mm-hmm. is, is pretty awesome. Uh, Beth and Naomi, in terms of Nebula, is I mean, she's not a replacement of Black Widow by any means, but in terms of like her arc, in terms of where you saw her, what is your perspective and and where where they took and brought her in this story? I think Nebula is really interesting in the sense that she is, uh, as far as I'm remembering right now, the only character who is really clearly a villain at the beginning of her introduction, Hmm. you know, she's like with Thanos and then is really clearly a hero. Um, And that it's not like a a snap of the finger that transforms her, but that there's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's this character development along the way, um, you know, and you made that link to baptism, right? But this sense of like rejecting the old and the, um, evil self in favor of the new and, and who she's become um, is in some ways a lot more interesting than the people who are heroes all along yeah. and don't seem mm-hmm. to have a whole lot of like struggle or um, development or, or progression that, that makes you really feel like oh, yeah, I, I'm rooting for her because not just of who she is, but who she was and became. That first Guardians movie, I just, I found her somewhat annoying. And it's like, why is she a part of this? Do we need an extra person? And yeah. But man, by the end of Endgame, I was like, she's one of my favorite characters of all time. Like, I mm-hmm. really love what they, what they did with her. And it was, again, you know, talk about pastoral care and helping people cope with their grief. Like, we don't have magic wands that could just wave and fix things. We don't have a snap and snap things back to back to normal the way that was or, or quick, easy fix fixes for people. Her was a long, hard journey where she was at the end and, and she somewhat has a happy ending. She's on a ship. She's on there. She's there's still some struggle. They still have some things, more work to do, uh, more places to grow. But man, her whole story arc was, is so good for me that that I wouldn't have seen coming a few years ago mm-hmm. or predicted. Yeah. I really hope she, I really hope that like, she's got some continued prominent role and continued kind of character development in the coming guardians of the galaxy movie. I mean, I just, I hope that she doesn't just kind of become background fodder, yep. you know, mm-hmm. I thought they used her, very cleverly just in the way the plot rolls um, that um, yeah right it never occurred that sending her back would cause that little bit of a loop and tip their hand right um, yeah didn't see that mm-hmm. coming yeah yeah but yeah so then <laughs> the whole it's the whole in a, in a sense if you want to if you want to keep with the baptismal theology it felt in a lot of ways the Roman seven you know, the very thing I want to do, I can't do. And here it's very real because it's it's Nebula thwarting Nebula's plans. And so sort of self-destructive, yeah, yeah. literally. 
Yeah, the constant the battle. old self coming back and yeah. Okay. Been, um, yeah. Any anything else that I have uh, horrendously overlooked that you want to get in? I mean, I think you you can't you can't ignore it. Started with Tony Stark saying "I am Iron yep. Man," and it ended with Tony Stark saying "I am Iron Man." I mean, mm-hmm. like that. You know, it's like that Alpha Omega stuff, right? Like, not that I would compare Tony Stark to God. <laughs> you know, you know, there's gonna, you know, there's going to be I mean, plenty of you know, there's going to be plenty of sermons where some poor preacher yeah. lifts up uh-huh. Iron Man as an as an example of Jesus, but. Don't go there, please. Please, yeah, please, please, yeah. preachers, if you listen, do that. No, no, but it is okay. That's, yeah. That was just a really cool just bookend to it, right? Like, he started it, and he kind of ended this Agreed. space, clearly. Yeah. No, it was, it was very cool. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, I agree. There's there's so much we could there's so much we could talk about. I mean, like, yeah, there's a whole other probably part two we could do to this, but I, th- I just want to chime in with Captain America. Um I mean, so much of the so much of the the MCU has been, you know, uh, Cap versus Iron Man. You know, the just the the battle of the the two ideologies and the two personalities, and um, how how it went to to see you know that that Tony finally did something selfless, and mm-hmm. Cap finally did something selfish. No, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that and that was kind of his his reward. You know, that that whole th- you know piece at the end that just really surprised me because that was, you know, I didn't expect that to come, you know, uh to end his story to end the way that it did. But then the, the little bit of, you know, do you want to tell me about her? Nope, I don't think I will. You know, <laughs> that finally that one little piece that Tony that uh Captain America keeps for himself and doesn't give up for someone else because that's all he's done is throw his throw himself on hand grenades his whole <laughs> life, right? So, yeah, and even Cap has his, his moment where he's battling himself, right? He he fights himself in oh, there, and yeah. the, you know we could do a whole part two about you know theology of time travel and the things that I think the reason the time travel time heist didn't bother me as much as it would maybe in other movies is that it has 10 years of, of they've earned my trust that I know they're going to, they're going to move this story along. But the whole part where they're reflecting on their former selves and getting a chance to see themselves grow and, and then even caps full arc along with, with Tony's was very satisfying and passing this, the, the shield off to somebody else, to a person of color. Um, that that will move the story along um is is uh america ready for a black captain america you've done it in the comics for a long time let's do it in the movies and uh move the story forward um so i'm happy to see what the next phases are and even with this disney plus and tv shows they could do all kinds of alternate storylines of cap traveling through the different times and doing different what if stories. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what they throw at us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, this is a little bonus episode, a little bonus length here. So, um, thank you all for sticking in with this so far. So, all right. <laughs> yeah. No, Should no, we let people no do a bathroom break? Should we let inter- people do a bathroom break? <laughs> podcast. They can pause no intermissions. No, no, um, okay. All right. All right. So, 
Uh, I want to oh, do our true, typical true. "What are you geeking out?" But um, folks, <laughs> no, no treatises here. But um, Will, what are you geeking out about? Like sabbatical, you had a big stack of books. I saw. I do. I have a big stack of books that I don't um, that I I feel like I haven't had time to read or to really sit down with them. So yeah, I got. Uh, anything from Star Wars Darth Plagueis to The Sparrow from Mary Russell and A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter Miller. Yeah, books that people have always said they're brilliant. You know, you read them, but I have either haven't had time or just overlooked. Now, I really hope to just sit down and, and read and read for pleasure and and uh and do that so that's gonna be my next few months and i read a lot of comics a lot of graphic novels but i'm really gonna sit down with some novels this summer and i'm excited about that outstanding naomi how about you um so i mentioned i have a seven-year-old kiddo and he loves all things movies and um and we have fallen in love with um the spider-man um multiverse is what is it into the spider-verse and like we own it we love it and and of course like um here here we go strong feminist critique love spider gwen i found myself a spider gwen um zippy sweatshirt on the amazon and wear that and nobody knows what it is it's so very sad (laughs) um but so like i'm just totally geeking out like i i you know i found her comics and so i'm i have for the first time in years picked up comics and um and I carry it around in my bag. And every time I kind of get a chance, I get caught up on Spider-Gwen's multiverse. Nice. It's so fun. And Spider-Ham shows up in it as her little um, concussion dream. <laughs> so, and it's just great. It's great. And it's, they're well-written. They're well-drawn. And I, I wear my little Spider-Gwen Sweet. zippy and you know, Naomi, I think the either the artist or the colorist or somebody's attached to that book actually lives in Charlotte. And he, um, what? No. yeah, like he, he's, I think he, uh, you know, his place is heroes aren't hard to find is the big, um, comic shop there in Charlotte that does uh, HeroCon. but I'm sure coming up in a couple of weeks at HeroCon, uh, he should be, I forgot his name. It doesn't, but, but I, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't yeah, tell you. I'll find it and I'll, I'll message it to yeah. you. But I think, I think he's a North Carolina local. I'll look that up for you. It's pretty cool. I could, this could be a dangerous no, no. thing, Will. I could become a stalker as my next <laughs> uh, Okay, that's no longer geeking out. No, it's no longer geeking out. That's illegal. <laughs> Beth, how about you? What are you geeking out about? Uh, so I am lately geeking out about a game called Amazing Tales. Um, it is a dice-based role-playing game for children. Um, so what? the author, uh, you know, it's a book, looks like your player's handbook or whatever from D and D. Um, and the author wrote this, um, book so that he could play role-playing games with his children. Um, and it's so great because I get to watch my four-year-old and my husband, um, like create characters and play together. And, you know, my, my son loves to like roll the die to find out, like, did he successfully do the thing that he tried to do? Um, and it's just so fantastic. Um, called Amazing Tales. Uh, and so that's, that's where my energy has been, uh, lately. Which, uh, which company puts that out? Do you know? The Amazing Tales Publisher Company. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> no, I, know, I don't I know. know. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, yeah, my husband awesome. got it on Amazon. But, uh, ooh, the author is uh, Martin, Martin, Martin Lloyd. Lloyd. It's called hey. Amazing Tales, A Game for Children Who Love Adventures. It's the first thing that comes up if you Google it in the Am- – no, it's the second thing that comes up if you Google it in the Amazon. Cool. Yeah, there's no publisher listed here. Um, but, yeah, I don't make any money if you buy this, but I do recommend it. Um, awesome. So. That's outstanding. Um, Sam, you're I, up. I finally joined the rest of the ga- of the uh, computer gaming world and ordered – I haven't gotten it yet, but I ordered a mechanical keyboard. Um, so uh, that is after my, my typical thing of research and research and research and research, I've settled on a keyboard and ordered it and it has not gotten here yet, but I'm looking forward to all kinds of, it has lights <laughs> because of course it does. Um, but also, uh, so that's what I'm most geeking out about, but there's also another thing very very quickly on Netflix uh, a, a movie that came out uh, last year called The Wandering Earth uh, first like big budget film from China um, really crazy premise and extremely outlandish um, but neat to watch and if, if, you're, if you like anime and sort of the the willingness to suspend disbelief that you can you know push the earth out of orbit with big rockets to take it to another planet sure why not cool uh, <laughs> I, I i got but, something i'm gonna do tomorrow awesome <laughs> yeah it's on netflix so you, ha- you kind of have to to hunt for it a little bit yep I'm, but it's it's there and it is surprisingly good for and in terms of the, the CGI is surprisingly good. And, you know, they, yeah, it's good. Brian, what are you geeking out on? Okay, so I have one thing I'll just throw out there. There is a uh, uh, a new comic that just started called Invisible Kingdom. I, I looked at it first because um, I noticed that the artist was Christian Ward, who... Uh, Sam and I have raved about Black Bolt, the uh, the series, the the twelve issue series uh, that happened between 2017 2018, because uh, Saladin Ahmed wrote the book, but Christian Ward did the art, and the art was beautiful. Uh, so I saw this on the shelf. Um, I, it's not even a it's not even a Marvel or DC publisher, um, not, not even Image. I think maybe Image. It's like Wildstorm. That is, I've, no. No, so it's called Invisible Kingdom, and it has to do with space nuns. Um, what? Yeah. Um, That's going to go on. I have the third issue, but I've only read the first one. The first issue was really pretty cool. Is that G. Willow um, Wilson? Does she write that? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think it yes. is Image. Yeah, I saw it for that. I haven't seen the second one. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is image. Okay, yeah, good. Thanks. I my brain just shorted out, and I didn't I didn't have it in front of me. It's in my bag. So, really cool art, um, and uh, and the first the first issue at least was written really well. Left on a pretty sub, pretty substantial suspenseful point. So, cool. I look forward to that. 
Finally, last thing, um, and this is less of, a, of what I'm geeking out about, although I am, but it's a, also a bit of an announcement that also includes Will and Sam. Uh, Naming and Beth, Beth, if you want to join us, this is fine. But uh, uh, Will and I are on ended up on the, this planning team for Theocon, which is sort of theological Comic Con. Um, that is happening September 28th. It's a one-day gig at Messiah College in um, Grantham. Yeah, is it Grantham? It's, I got just outside Harrisburg. Yeah, because it's literally a mile from where I lived four years ago. Okay, it's, it's right outside yeah. Mechanicsburg. Yeah, Mechanicsburg. That's the one I was at. Yeah, the Boyer Center at, at uh, Mechanicsburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, you can get to the uh, website Theocon Live. That's so you'll see it if you look at it. The first word is the first letter in the images are is always theta, Theocon. But it's T H E O C O N dot live, and it is September twenty eighth. There's going to be panels. There's going to be um, cosplay. There's going to be um, a screening of Into the Spider-Verse and discussion after and multi- Into the Spider-Verse. So, Naomi, we're going to watch the movie and talk Although about that's, it. Uh, that's a day or so earlier. Right. I think that's the – right? So, But September 28th is the main day. Right. Um, it is a, uh, a day we'll have a bunch of panels and, and stuff going on, some uh, really cool things um, that are planned. And uh, uh, Sam and I are going to be there. We're hope- hoping to do a panel. Um, with uh, the 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 other podcast, uh, the Gospel According to Marvel, uh, with Derek and Zane, we've been working on our uh, proposal, and so that's been a lot of fun. But uh, awesome, I cannot cannot talk about Theocon without talking about Shana Watson, the 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 founder and uh, uh, head of this. She is totally committed to this and this has been a really awesome uh, uh event that that she they started last year with the inaugural um event down in at uh, virginia theological seminary couldn't happen there again this year uh and so uh found this place at uh, messiah college and um we are really looking forward to that. Will, I don't know if you want to say anything else since you've also been on. No, it's just, I think it's, you know, for, for church of the geek and, and, you know, we've all done kind of comic cons and those kinds of things before and, and integrated um, theology and, and uh, kind of the geek geekdom and geek verse. But here is like really intentional talking about how religion, faith and spirituality can intersect with uh, the stores we love and geek out on. So it should be really fun to kind of think through that all together and and watch Mm -hmm. it grow, I hope. And while you're there, you need to go to Neato Burrito in downtown Mechanicsburg. Neato Burrito, it will blow your mind. Sounds like the after party. Sounds like the after party is at Neato Burrito. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. (laughs) That's cool. Very, very cool. Um, (laughs) So uh, please, if you're listening, uh, you can purchase the tickets right now uh, on the website. Uh, we are going to, while also doing a panel, hopefully we'll be moderating some panels and we'll be uh, uh, recording episodes, uh, recording some stuff. And you'll, um, you might be able to hear some of it on our podcast, but uh, we want to talk with you. If, you. if you're able to make it, please talk with us and, and uh, 
have a conversation. We'd uh, would love to see you um, and uh, just come and really enjoy this. So that is everything, my friends. Um, it was fun. We, it was real. Naomi, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast for the first time. Um, you are welcome yep. back. Oh my anytime. gosh, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Beth, um, it is good to, to hear uh, hear you on this. Uh, like I said, um, on this one, you're now you're a you're a you're a full fledged veteran of uh, you practically are. I'm practically a regular. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I had about four different times. I did not call you Ariel. Good work. Good work. It's like it's not... like Black Widow, Natasha. Who are we really? Yeah. Wait. Who what? Knows? Um, all right. Um, that being said, I'm going to let everyone go. Have a great night, everyone. And as always, geek be with you. And also and with also you. And also with you. Also with you. Yeah, good job, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>